Welcome back to another week of Muskies on Tap. I'm your host, Gus Manti, and this one is going to be a special one. We got a guest back on. We got Michael Hansen himself of Namakagan Area Guide Service over in the Hayward area, guiding on, I think he says in the interview, six different counties. That is a lot. That is a lot more than what we fish but uh, he likes to branch out. He likes to go all over the place. So before I get any further, I'll introduce the other hosts on here tonight. We got Max Manti over there watching the football game and uh, <laughs> and also maybe sipping on something. Uh, how you doing tonight, Max? I've been doing good, Gus. No, nothing for me tonight. Clear head. I've been eating breathing, sleeping, the Chippewa flowage. That's it. That's the only thing that been on my mind. I'm not thinking about this two teaser parlay. I got fired up here in the <laughs> Panthers saints game. No siree. I've been laser focused. I got muskies on the right. mind. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. I'm ready to go this week Been keeping things clear, a little mental clarity. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm fired up to be here and more than ever, more than anything, obviously, just as excited to see the shining face, <laughs> the million dollar smile of one Brian Eckel. Brian, what's going on? How was the weekend? Uh, I'm doing great. It was uh, it was a fun weekend. Was up north with some family uh, at the Manti household, so had a fun time relaxing up there. Gus and I did a little bit of fishing. He got slammed once. Unfortunately, didn't get hooks into it, but. Uh, Fun to get out there for a bit, and um, yeah, it was a good time. I, I'm not sipping on a beer tonight, but we did have a tasty one. We went to like a little Oktoberfest ordeal in Three Lakes, Wisconsin, and nice. uh, I think Gus, correct me if I'm wrong, it was a point a point brewery Oktoberfest. Is that mm-hmm. is that correct? Yep. Yeah. So that that was a tasty tasty beer. Um, but yeah, taking it easy with some water on this fine Monday. Well, it sounds like you guys didn't have any success on your very short outing. Um, but before we dive into the interview, Gus, you have been putting some pretty large fish in the bag here over the past uh, week since the last podcast dropped, um, not only yourself, but with clients too. So you want to just quickly touch on uh, how this last week went in the North Woods and kind of what, what we can expect here in the next few days coming forward? Yeah, I... Um... I had a few very, very successful solo outings. I was able to put multiple muskies in the bag. 
I also had a few blanked outings on just testing new bites and relatively new bodies of water that I've only been on one other time. Um, that was kind of the excitement there. Uh, I've been diving into a pretty good bite on swimming dogs. I believe I maybe have made a, a story post of a swimming dog uh, on, on Instagram or something, but those have been red hot. They, the fish are pretty much crushing them on the cast only. And a quick tip on that for people that do use swimming dogs. And I know a lot of people always ask like, how do I get it so that they eat it and not follow it? And the biggest thing that I did with that bait is once it hits the water, uh, water depth dependent, of course, if I'm in shallow water, deep water, it's, it's a little different. I'll give it a big rip and then go into a straight retrieve. So in deep water, I'll give it a multiple second drop and then give it a big rip. Or if I'm in shallower water, uh, it'll hit the surface and within a second, I'll give it a big rip. And pretty much most of the bites on that bait are coming after that first rip, right in the beginning of the retrieve, and they're just absolutely crushing it. But rolling into the weekend, had some guide trips each day and we found some great success got two first muskies, one PB and another just great muskie just to cap it off. Um, just yesterday, it's Monday the 18th right now. Um, taking this day fully off to prepare to go to the Chippewa flowage, but yeah, there'll be, there'll be more on, um, you know, the fish that were caught post for later, I'll be saving them and, and sharing them with you folks soon to come on Facebook and Instagram, but yeah, that, I mean, I, I think the other, so the other fish also came on Medusa's. So it seemed to be a predominant rubber bite for me. Blades accounted for a lost fish. I do know. And it also accounted for many hot follows, but could not get those fish to convert or eat in the figure eight. I don't know what was going on, but they were chowing rubber and I think, oh boy, I think with this heat coming, probably going to continue to have that rubber bite going, but I will definitely think that Max and I and our, and our pre-fishing, we're going to be mixing it up as always. We're not just going to stick to only one bait. And, um, yeah, I, um, for looking ahead in the Northwoods, it's going to be hard to say, cause we're, we're going to fish a. We're going to fish a brand new area basically to us. So not brand new area, sorry, just like a brand new fishery. And uh, we'll, we'll of course have our recap once the PMTT is over with, but yeah, I predict that this shallow water bite, I guess this is what I would say more specifically, uh, that was, that will keep going strong, I believe. So definitely get your baits up into shallower water. This is that time of year pre-turnover that you can get those fish that like to slide up and kind of get that last bit of warm water uh, while they can. And before those weeds start to really die off, uh, that's where pretty much I'm going to be focusing on fishing here until the water temps drop to the, you know, the turnover period. But we'll, we'll have more on that when, uh, when the podcasts come out in the future, uh, right before that happens. 
Now, did you guys want to hear the Vegas odds that were just released for the tournament? Oh God, not really. <laughs> nah, I don't know if I can. Hear. I don't know if I can stomach these. Uh, I mean, Vegas went went uh, a little bit more modest on their predictions, so maybe that'll maybe that'll be a good thing. Although, you guys have done well when the odds have been pretty crazy. <laughs> I don't know if I'm gonna okay this. Max, you got anything to add here? Just give us the line, Brian. What are they saying? They're over under set flat at one, which that's an easy over pick for me. Is better. Yo, dog, and, dog. And, dude. <laughs> hey, you're the worst better known to man. Over under on the already? on the size of their fish, 44 and a half. 44 and a half. I'll save my pick on that for later. All right, let's dive into this interview. Yeah. <laughs> Enough fire of it up. Uh, fire fire it up, up the interview with Michael Hansen. Hope you all enjoy. All right, well, we're really excited to chat here with Michael Hansen of Namakagan uh, Area Guide Service. He was... Uh, Generous enough to come on. Uh, we we interrupted a, a little bit of a fishing excursion he's on right now. We got him pulled up on the Zoom here. He's out on his boat, beautiful Northwoods background. So I think you already win the award for uh, best interview location. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> oh, right cool. <laughs> That's the thing. So, uh, Michael, how you doing today, man? Uh, obviously, you're out on the water. So how's, uh, how's the bite been today? You know, honestly, um, I'm doing great. It's hard for me to not be great. I don't know. I'm a pretty positive person, but, uh, you know, the bite was actually pretty good today. Um, we had a solid like East Southeast wind today. Um, got out here really late, got out here with a buddy. I had the day off and, um, I try not to ever miss a day of, uh, fishing, you know, whether I'm guiding or not. So went out here, we rose a couple real hot fish, uh, ended up sticking about uh 42, 43. We didn't measure it real fat one. And then I dropped him off and downloaded zoom. This is new to me. Um, feel like we're finally in the future now huh yeah well we appreciate it um i mean i i'm so stoked to have you on because i think the genesis of our podcast is northern wisconsin and like when i've been following you now for a long time like you're the epitome of a, a northern wisconsin diehard muskie angler i know yeah. you've been i know you've been dabbling kind of over across the border a little bit in minnesota this year which hopefully we can get into but uh take me back to the start like when did when did this all start to unfold for you? When did the addiction become kind of like, you know, a true addiction and you went into guiding and all that stuff? Like take, take okay. us through. Yeah. You know, um, I was doing a lot of part-time guiding when I lived back in Madison and that was about, uh, nine to 10 years ago. Um, I was working at bait shops. I was, uh, you know, my last job there was selling boats at a Marina, which was a great, great job until you got into like that, september time period where like nobody's buying a boat and you have to go to work and wait for maybe one phone call a day um for a 10-hour shift and you know i just i always wanted to wanted to be a musky guide and i knew it was always tough but i just kind of looked back at my life and i was like you know i'm single i have no like ties to anything and um and i really felt like if i didn't try moving up to northern wisconsin to accomplish this dream 
whether it worked out or not, I would have been kicking myself in the butt for the rest of my life. So um, this was about now five years ago, I moved up here full time. It's not really an area that I dabbled in, to be honest with you, too, too much. Um, as far as northern Wisconsin goes, I used to fish in Vilas County all the time. But um, there's just something about this area. Um, I felt like it was a little bit quieter. Definitely a lot less lakes to fish for muskies compared to what I was used to out into the northeast. But, um, you know, I just wanted I wanted a challenge. And um, it seemed like, you know, there's definitely there's a lot of great guides up here. But um, there was a little bit more room to grow. And uh, that's why I kind of chose this area. I, uh, you know, I, as much as I wanted to call myself a full-time guy to move up here and start doing it, you know, um, I, I couldn't. You know, I don't, uh, you know, my parents never necessarily gave me anything, you know, bought me anything that, to help me do this. So um, I had to do what, you know, I had to do to survive. So I became a bartender up here and um, just working excruciating hours and fishing as much as I can and getting to know these people from across the bar. They asked me, you know, oh, what do you what do you like to do? You know, what else do you do? Do you have any other jobs? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm a fishing guide up here. And, um, one thing leads to another, you have a good conversation with these people and then your phone starts ringing left and right. And I actually found that a lot of these people that were hiring me, like wouldn't fish a day in their life. <laughs> um, you know, and they just, I, you know, this kind of sounds conceited, but they wanted to come out and hang out in the boat with me for a day and see what would happen. Yeah. And um, when we started putting these muskies in the boat and, you know, word of mouth just spread like wildfire and uh, just continued to bartend for eight hours a day and then guide or be out on the water for eight to ten hours a day and just do it every single day. Um, I'm, I'm just I'm really happy that I pushed through all that pain to get where I'm at now because um, it's not easy. Um, I mean, you can ask that to any guide that's starting out. It's takes a lot of work you know and uh whether you be you know working excruciating hours or living in horrible conditions you know showering with baby wipes in the <laughs> in the porter potty outside of the flipping boat launch it's uh it's it's a humbling experience <laughs> i mean i think you're doing a lot of what people that listen to this podcast probably dream about honestly i mean like i, I know i look forward to the weekends where brian gus and i you know go up north it's like we call them little mini musky benders. I mean, Gus is living it now as a guide, but like same kind of shit, sure. right? Three straight days. You're not showering. You're sleeping a few hours here and there. And it's just a Absolutely. Blast. Like the best. Yeah. I mean, and that's why we do it. And it's, it's, everybody knows how difficult it is to catch these fish in the first place. And, um, right. I mean, you just got to put your time in. I mean, you could be out in the juiciest of juice weather conditions mm -hmm. on any given day. And those fish just aren't moving. And all of a sudden, like a light switch will flip on. You don't know when it's going to be. And if you're not out there, you know, might as well just stay at home, sit on your couch and save the, the gas money, the money that you spend on lures, rods, whatever, <laughs> accommodations, you name it. You spend money on lures, too? Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've been doing pretty good, though. I will say I only bought, uh, I think I bought two baits at the Muskie Expo. Uh, one out of the four musky expos I went to this year. I uh, prided myself in not walking around and shopping. <laughs> that's, that's some wow. serious self-control. Um, all right. Well, so you're, you're talking about, you know, 
um, kind of the like what well, drew to that area and everything. And I think that's kind of part of this guide name that we were talking about prior to hopping on here. It's like you're the Namakagan area guide service. So you're saying that you guide in what'd you say, like six counties, six different yeah, counties? Yeah, six, six different counties around here. And, um, you know, I chose that name mainly because a lot of these lakes I'm fishing around are near that Namakagan River area that flows into the St. Croix eventually. I don't know. It's, you know, if you look at that Muscalunge Waters of Wisconsin booklet that the DNR has out. Oh, yeah. If you look at the amount of water, like, let's just compare Vilas alone to, mm-hmm. like, you know, the six counties I'm talking about, like, we don't even touch the amount of musky lakes that you guys have. If if you're trying to put people on big fish and you're on, you know, a given lake that has the potential for big fish and it's not rolling, I got to drive a minimum of 45 minutes to an hour away to get to the next best body of water. And it just, it makes it a lot more difficult. Yeah, it's not really cost effective on my part, but I mean, I'm, I'm in this to put people on muskies, obviously, but truly, just like all of us, we want to see the biggest, baddest animals out there. Not every ecosystem can support a big animal like that. Right. So you got to put some uh, some miles under the wheels and, uh, you know, and just go find new water and pound it out. And a lot of it's been a lot of fun doing it, too. Yeah. You know, just trying all that new stuff. And when it comes together, it's like, hey, I got a guy coming in from Florida, in fact, tomorrow for three and a half days. We're going to go live down on a couple bodies of water that are far away from me for a couple days and uh, go pound those. And then we'll kind of stay more centralized as he gets closer to his departure. Sweet. Um, So with you talking about all this like new water and also saying that you range over six counties and there might not be as many lakes or musky lakes as just Files County alone. Are you still finding brand new bodies of water as of like this year that you're exploring? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was out on a body of water just, uh, I don't know, four or five days ago. We boated three, lost three. Um, nothing huge, but um, it had the, it has the right water to grow a large animal. The stocking was there. Mm-hmm. Doesn't look like it gets hit too hard. Um, obviously, I'm not taking people out on bodies of water I haven't fished before, guiding wise, you know, but if I have a day right. off, I'm flying a far, as far away from my known waters as possible just so I can learn as much as I can as a, you know, as an angler. I mean, that's Gus. I think you can relate to that a little bit over the last yeah. two years. I mean, that's been pretty much our main mission is to just learn as many different bodies of water as we possibly can. Because I think the one, I mean, the one really, really cool thing about Wisconsin, whether in your, you're in your area or over by us, it's like, you, I mean, whether you got to drive an extra 30 or 45 minutes, you know, you can go from fishing a super deep, clear system to a little mini reservoir, you know, tiny standalone green stained lake. And that we've talked about it a lot. And I mean, I'd be curious to kind of hear your thoughts, but like on any given day, like whether you're taking out clients or you're going out by yourself, like how do you make that decision? Like, all right, today is going to be a deep clear body of water day is it a, like a gut feeling is it weather dependent is it just what you've been doing lately i'm i to tell you the truth a lot of it's just weather dependent mm-hmm. um i'm chasing wind i always want to be in wind and this is like the most windless year i've ever experienced across northern wisconsin um which is why we have cold water um i know that we had some periods of time where people were telling us you know oh you got to put the rods away the lakes are at 79 this and that and it's like 
I know it reads that on the surface, but we've also had like three full days of flat, calm weather. And then moving on, um, you know, the next week, we're still around that high temperature range. I'm not telling people to go fish in hot water. If You just got to know what you're doing here. And we had one three-day period where we just had insane south winds. Like, and we haven't had any wind that was worth a damn for so long. And it was warm out, too, for those three days. They were all big south winds. And that water temperature immediately dropped down to 69 degrees. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why, you know, it's been a good year um, up here in general for for catching fish. But um, bigger fish have been tough to come by because of the water being so cold. They're just not moving the way that they, they're supposed to. They are definitely, these northern Wisconsin creatures have the slowest metabolism out of any muskie that's out there. <laughs> they don't need to eat. Preach. And if it's right. not warm out, they don't have to eat. So why would they get off their butts and go chase baits, you know? Um, so, you know, it's a lot of it just has to do with wind. I like to be around wind, and I will drive many miles to go find it, if possible. So, and a lot of it's gut feeling, too. You know, I hit a lot of the water that I live around here within an hour, you know, more times than not, I will say. And when that's ice cold, it's time to move. So mm-hmm. that's that's where I'm kind of looking at for that, you know, as far as expanding out and trying different waters. So on a given day, say you have a full day guide trip, if you go that first morning or I guess half of the guide trip and you're not seeing what you want to see, you're very okay with pulling up and going to a different lake. And if so, which I assume you are, are you going to choose something completely different in size or clarity? No, you know, not necessarily in size, possibly clarity. Um, But I mean, if I'm on like a deep, clear body of water and it's cloudy outside, I'm going to feel comfortable out there. Um, No different than if I was out on a stained body of water. Um, Clouds don't bother me by any means. But, you know, let's say I was on a stained body of water and it's sunny outside, bluebird skies. I probably won't go to those deep, clear bodies of water. That would, you know, I would kind of stay away from that side i'd probably find another you know shallow darker body of water to go to go fish on but you know it all it's if i don't see stuff happening right off the you know within three four hours of that first half day and i absolutely don't think it will get better based on the the forecast of the later part of the day yes i will definitely move to go check something else out so um, I don't want to pivot too badly here, but, you know, you're talking about kind of the Wisconsin setups you had. And I saw, I don't know if it was a, a video or just kind of on your Instagram, um, not saying that, you know, you're cheating on us Wisconsin people at all, but sounds like you kind of moved over to Minnesota for a little bit this year. Uh, uh, you know, you want to touch on that? Like what, what was kind what? of the driving factor behind that? Cause it seemed, you know, like a pretty cool change of pace for you, I'd imagine. Yeah, it was really cool. And um, I mean, you know, a lot of those lakes in Minnesota are only four hours away from me. So that was no different than living in Madison and driving up to Vilas County or anywhere right. in Wisconsin. Right. Um, I think anything that's, you know, for, uh, you know, a couple a couple day trips at least, four hours is not far for me. Um, mm-hmm. Seeing as that I'll drive an hour and 45, two and a half hours on a daily trip alone i mean we're talking like five hours round trip in the car that adds up (laughs) so um yeah a lot of that had to do with it again being so cold and 
those Minnesota fish, they act way differently. They, uh, they obviously they grow faster, they have a faster metabolism, so they're going to make more mistakes. And um, with our water temps being as cold as they were around here, I needed to go find fish that needed to make some mistakes. <laughs> yeah. and, um, and it was good, you know, we didn't necessarily light it up by any means with giants, but, um, you know, we caught a, you know, a handful of really nice fish over 45, um, and then a pile of like 40 to 44 inches. But um, you know, a lot of that had to do with like, I had guys for two to five day periods and I asked them, Hey, do you have any interest in going to Minnesota and more times than not, they were like, yes. So I didn't spend a whole lot of time out there. Um, you know, I would probably say a solid two and a half, three weeks, I would say on and off. But, um, and then again, if I had some free time off, I was going over there too, if the weather looked better and going out there and camping and, you know, just getting back to my roots. It felt pretty good. Any, any like highlights specifically from those trips over to Minnesota? Like whether it's was it on a guide trip or used you personally, you know, hooked, lost a big one, caught it. You know, we, gosh, that one lake, gosh, we saw so many big fish out there. And in fact, it was a lake I've never fished before. So I, <laughs> I can't say I, <laughs> that I don't guide on lakes that I don't fish before, like I said before. But <laughs> these guys knew it. I told them, I was like, I've never been out on this lake before, but it looks like it has good big fish potential. And they're like, let's go. Like, I've never fished it. Are you okay with it? <laughs> They're like, absolutely. Let's go do it. We got our trust in you. And uh, David Vanderway, like, on his first five minutes, we launched the boat at like noon because we were out at, I don't know, we were out on the water till like 3 30 the previous morning. And uh, we launched the boat at noon, flat calm, gin clear body of water. And I'm already thinking, like, oh my gosh, why are we out here? This is going to mm -hmm. be so bad. And he loses like a 45, 46 on a pounder, like immediately. <laughs> and we were like, okay, I think we're, I think we're doing all right here. <laughs> and, um, we ended up bagging a 48 and three quarters that night. One of my clients did, yeah. and I don't know, we lost a couple, um, nothing huge, but, um, voted a couple other ones. So, um, it was kind of cool to see them trusting me in that sense where I was, flat out telling him i'm going to be learning just as much as you are on this body of water <laughs> that's, that's pretty so, cool did yeah, you kind of go into uh like how you take in you know a brand new leg especially the pressure clients like how you tackle that then for the first time because i like are you scouting spots with them or what was kind of your agenda you know um during that time of the year that was oh boy that was like early july i believe we were up there no it was late june so these fish were just starting to move back out of the basins. Um, granted, there was still plenty of fish out in the basins, I'm sure. But they were starting to relate more to those weeds as it was getting warmer over there. In fact, it was actually warmer over there more to the northwest of where I'm at than it was here, you know, far more southern. And, um, yeah, it was just like, you know, these fish are going to be in weeds. So we're going to go drive around in these mid-lake structures and go look for weeds. First hump I came on, I've never seen something so rockless and weedless. You know, it was just like <laughs> a pile of absolute nothing. I'm like, oh boy, there may not be weeds in this lake. <laughs> and um, <laughs> roll over to the next big hump. And like, we have like glorious cabbage that's in five feet of water all the way out to like 24 feet of water. And like, I'm just drooling. And, you know, and it's just like, now do we hit up shallow or are we working out deep? And um, I chose to stay out deeper 
for the first pass. And then if that didn't work, I was going to move up shallower on that same spot and do the same route, but, you know, just try to tackle it a little bit differently. But those fish were chowing right on that deep weed edge, um, right where, you know, uh, David caught that nice one or lost that nice one, I should say. But, um, yeah, that's, you know, and then from there, I was like, all right, mid-lake structure, let's go find more weeds. And then, again, there would be a couple more that I'd find with weeds on them and a couple more that just didn't have any weeds whatsoever. In fact, I don't think we fished a single shoreline that entire trip um, just because the spots that we were finding out on those mid-lake structures were so big and took a long time for us to actually fish them effectively. And we were finding fish on every piece of it. So it was, it was hard to leave it, you know, to go try something different, but it paid off. And that's how I'm pretty much breaking down the lakes is just looking at like, what should they be doing this time of year, given the certain, you know, weather conditions, uh, the lake temperature and so on, you know, what's, what's a forge like, and then just kind of break it down from there. It's It's no different than how you guys show up to new water when you guys are doing your tournaments. I'm sure, you know, it's. Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of people even say that to me um, when I first moved up here. And, you know, I told them, yeah, I just moved up here, starting to, you know, I'm a musky guy and this and that. And they're like, well, how do you know how to, where the fish are? And it's like, well, we never really know where they are. You know, we, we, we know right. where they should be. And yeah. then we just <laughs> tackle it down from there. And, um, you know, and a lot of times it pays off. Yeah. I, I think finding like, like, uh, or similar structure to what you, you know, have success on is like a very, it seems so obvious and like something everybody should do, but I feel like it's something that even we, you know, will get tripped up on sometimes where it's like, you know, if you're seeing them on mid lake stuff, like there's going to be other mid lake structures or whatever in that system that if you just keep trying to replicate those bites, like we, I think that was probably a pretty big growing pain for us was like really understanding that where they're moving on this mid lake hump you know you can move 60 yards down on another mid lake hump and probably yeah. have similar success and yeah no tournament fishing for sure we've you know we've tried to bring that to tournament fishing it's just kind of replicating bites over and over again because like you said you never know that they're for sure going to be on it so you just got to try to do your best educated guess and right Keep I mean, anybody, honestly, that says that they have a certain lake pattern down where they have all these muskies pattern down, <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. They These <laughs> things, they have fins no different than we have legs. If we're uncomfortable, we move. You know, if yeah. we're on the couch and we don't like being on the couch anymore, we want to go to our bed, we go to our bed. It's no different than these fish. They can move at any time throughout the day and i mean nothing's set in stone with them and i think that's why we love these stupid things so much yeah, yeah. very very dumb like. fish yeah like. <laughs> going off what you're just saying brian you're probably gonna love this uh what am i what i'm about to say is that yesterday when i was out this is kind of like going with the uh getting caught up and you know not finding the certain structure for a certain time of year to find like the muskies like i was getting caught up on a certain lake with clients and just kind of casting at the same weed edge that will typically find them. And it just wasn't seeing what I wanted to see. And I moved to this bay that pretty much had zero wind. And I noticed that the water temp like rose up and Brian, this, this muskie yesterday came from a tree on shore that was just sticking <laughs> into the water Go it was figure. Sitting up in like a foot or two feet of water. <laughs> And I was trying like the deep weed edge or maybe like slightly shallower. And I'm like, oh, I don't know why I was getting caught up in that. It's middle of September. Those fish should be like 
stupid shallow. And this was at like the end of the trip when I realized this and I just felt like, well, duh, you know, sure. I don't, it's, you know, it always seems more obvious. Like after it comes together, like you're like, Oh yeah, no, duh. That should have worked. Like you know, yep. every time it feels like, I mean, we've talked about this. Like you always feel like a genius after you catch a fish, <laughs> you know, like, oh, you just feel so smart. Like, Oh, oh. man, I, yeah. Every God. one of my like major <laughs> trips were like, let's say what like first time I went to Minnesota, like first two hours of being on a Minnesota body water ever, I caught a 53 and a half. And I was like, like, oh, I'm going to come back and I'm going to do all the same stuff that I did in Minnesota and replicate <laughs> that on this water. And then you're like, it's totally different. You know, <laughs> like you feel so good about yourself. And it's like, take a step back, Michael. You're not that smart still. So we, we, we always like to talk about big fish stories. I think a lot of people like to hear about them. So you mentioned that 53 and a half, is that, is that your current PB of what you're working with right now? Or have you? Uh, yeah, by there? length, by length it is. By I length. got a much fatter one, um, a couple of years ago in late, late November fishing on the great lakes. Um, but, uh, yeah, that one was like 52 and a half by 26. It was just a Jeez. large animal. It was huge. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that, uh, that one out of Minnesota that I got on a flap tail, that was my longest by length, uh, still to this day. I remember we were actually pre-fishing for the PMTT, um, out in Cass Lake. And I looked at my tournament partner and I was like, dude, like, this is why I don't like tournaments because I don't like being told when I can and can't fish or, mm -hmm. you know, where I have to fish. I do like them, but like, it always just irks me. Cause it's like, these fish are going to go and now we have to leave. Like that sucks. Yep. Cause I like <laughs> catching them. Yeah. And, um, my partner, you know, I looked at him and I was like, we should go to a different lake. And he's like, why would we do that? And I was like, because we're going to get out on cast Lake. It looks super like, I mean, it's not easy to fish, but it's like, you're going to get it down quick. I was like, we're going to be on that same body of water for the next how many days? Let's go try somewhere else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I remember this guy just gets his brand new like 620 Ranger. And we get to the, to the ramp and his skeg like barely rubs on the bottom there. And um, <laughs> right at the launch. And he's like, yeah, we got to be back in before sunset because um, I just don't want to nick my new boat up and this and that. And I'm just like in one ear and right out the other. Yeah, like sure, sure. I'm acknowledging him, but I'm totally ignoring him <laughs> at the same time. So we're out there, you know, and we're fishing. And like I said, we were only out there for a couple hours and it, it was dark within an hour. We had just gotten up there and he's like, yeah, we gotta, we should get going. And I was like 15 more minutes, you know, just 15 more. So like 45 minutes elapses <laughs> and I was getting really dark and he's like, all right, Mike, we, we gotta go. And I was like 15 more minutes, you know? And like another like 15, 20 minutes goes by and I'm throwing this flap tail and way out on the end of the cast, you hear the toilet flush and like all hell break loose. <laughs> and I just remember after he netted it, I looked at him, I was like, we can go home now. And he's yeah. like, oh no, we're staying <laughs> a little longer now. Like, yes, I love yeah. it. <laughs> I'll dent a 620 to catch another 53 and a half. <laughs> yeah, right. No yeah. kidding. I was like, uh, man, if we were going to worry about boats, we should have brought mine. I just run mine into things. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's what they're for, you know. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. No, it's not like I absolutely beat on my stuff, but I use it. You know, if 
If you see a real shiny, pretty boat in somebody's garage, that means that he washes it more than he fishes out of it. I can tell you <laughs> that. If you're I, fishing hard I for muskies, you don't got time to clean your boat that well. I don't care who you are. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. So, so going off uh, that big fish story, um, are you a big sucker guy? Are you using any today? And then uh, no. Oh, go on. Sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say like, what's what's your biggest fish on a sucker if if you do use them every fall? Sure. Um. Oh yeah. We it's a Wisconsin tradition. You know, there's still a few people that uh, that don't like the whole sucker thing, saying it's cheating. But again, we have fish up here that have slow metabolisms. They live to an incredibly long age. And with that, you get smart, you know, you get choosy, if you will. So um, suckers are an absolute necessity in my boat come around this time normally. But with this heat, I'm not going to bother with them. But, uh, yeah, you, you have to have them. I mean, plain and simple. We'll raise fish left and right, cast some baits, and they'll gravitate right towards that sucker. And even then, a lot of times, too, we'll watch these things chase suckers and not eat them. Um, oh, yeah. I've, you know, I'm, I'm running live scope on my boat now for the past three years. Um, not necessarily sharpshooting them by any means. Um, use it more for structure more than anything because I can really break down spots and illustrate yeah. it better for customers. You know, like if any given time the wind blows me in 15 feet closer than what I want to be, I can say, hey, that those weeds are up to the surface 50 feet away. If you land your cast 40 feet away, you're going to be right on the edge. And then you can start working that bait down that edge, you know, so it's a good tool for that. But um, not to get too sidetracked. But when I'm flashing this sonar or this live scope on these suckers all fall, it is absolutely amazing how many spots I'll hit throughout a day. And you'll watch these muskies come up, look at them, go down, come up, go down. And then all of a sudden they're down. And it's crazy. I mean, it's happened mm-hmm. an unbelievable amount of times. Sorry, I'm getting a stupid phone. <laughs> oh, he'll come back. <laughs> wrong button. <laughs> I think you got the wrong button. <laughs> Sorry, folks. You'll get Michael back in, I don't know, a minute or two. T minus one second. Three, two, one. Hey, you guys good. got me? Yeah, yeah, we got you. Sorry about that. I pressed the wrong button. And I had a guy <laughs> talking to me and had to get yeah. him off the phone. <laughs> all good. That's all right. But uh, I forgot where I left off there. Um, can you help me out? Live like, scope and suckers, suckers and how oh, freaking yeah. frustrating it is. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, we'd see sometimes 12 to 18 fish a day. And yeah. it was, you know, and some days we just didn't get bit on them. And if you can't fool them on a sucker, I mean, good, good luck. You know, <laughs> they're just not chowing that day. Yeah. It's, but, um, it's crazy. Absolutely. Like it's crazy that it's like, I, I agree a hundred percent that the live scope stuff with the suckers, like it, if anything, you know, we've, we've touched on this um, in prior podcasts, but it's like, it, it has helped us even if we're not getting the feedback of like hooking fish on suckers with the live scope and like watch them shoot up and eat it or whatever. Like, it is nice to know, especially if there's certain spots where like, if you have multiple, like, you know, there's multiple muskies coming up to your sucker. It helps you kind of like hone in, you know, if you have a two or three day time period to catch them, it's like, okay, they're here. And that's helped yeah. us out on new bodies of water where we're like feeling lost where there was, we've t- touched on this fish before, but it's like, if we didn't have live scope on this one particular lake, there was a spot that probably had 15 large muskies on it 
And we would have never known, never, we would have literally had no clue if we didn't have live scope. And we ended up doing the same pass for three straight days because we just knew that one of them eventually, like you said, was going to make a mistake. But it what if if we didn't have live scope, we probably would have been running all over that lake looking for fish. Oh, absolutely, yeah, you know, and that just further proves that live scope isn't the end all be all deal. No. You know, yeah. it's no, it's no, not. It's another <laughs> great tool that we have. I mean, I've seen more people cast at side imaging muskies that hate live scope, and it's just like I don't see the difference because I've caught plenty of fish that three different lures went over a muskie's head already. And if you didn't get that flipping bait right on their noodle, once that thing gets marked in the back end of the boat, you're not going to catch it, you know? And with side imaging, obviously you don't know where it is. Um, I mean, you can get an idea, but the boat's always moving. The fish could be moving. That's why it's always important. Like, you know, back when I was really, or I mean, still to this day, I mean, I can't say back. Um, when, when you see one on side imaging, it's like, you get somebody to cast 30 feet in a certain direction right now because that fish is moving mm-hmm. or we're moving. And it could make the difference between catching one and not catching one. And, uh, yeah, nobody throws a stink about the whole side imaging thing. So wow. it's, I find it quite funny. I mean, we, <laughs> you know? we, we caught our, we did like a little pre-spawn trip up to the UP uh, this April. And we, we had one bite, got one fish and two and a half days of fishing. And it was solely because of side imaging. Yeah, fish, yeah. fish showed up on the other side of the boat. We were casting off, you know, one side at the break, and this big ass mark on side imaging shows up about as you could draw a muskie on side imaging. That's what this fish looked like. Yeah, and you know, instantly Brian and I both casted right at it. Brian, I mean, I wouldn't say he casted right at it; he missed it by about a football field. But three feet, which you know, <laughs> looking cold back, weather, it made sense. <laughs> Cast thirty feet this way. Okay. Yeah. You know, the opposite yeah. side of the boat. Just like it a god. It was hilarious. I've seen it all too. It's like, no, look where my finger is. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um. All right. Well, I'm, I'll I'll stop asking so many questions, but I do want to ask this one more, and it, it is kind of a pivot too. But you talked about like a big Great Lakes fish. You know, you were talking about these Minnesota muskies outside of outside of like the North woods of Wisconsin, what is like some of your favorite bodies of water to fish? Or do you have like one particular, you know, trip that you really like to do or have, have really enjoyed in the past? I make trips like a day in advance, typically, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like, uh, two years ago when we did that here on, or when we were, um, gosh, when was that? Yeah. Two years ago when we were fishing out, um, I was with my good buddy, Will and, you know, the lakes just froze up around here and he's like, Hey, do you want to, you want to go here? And I was like, yeah, let's go do it. Um, so I, I mean, with guiding now, I really don't plan anything too, too far in advance unless if it's an actual guide trip. But, um, that's kind of the nice thing about being a full-time guide is that you can have that leniency to do such things. Um, when your waters are freezing up or something changes, but um, I, I do, you know, as far as going on a trip, I love going down to Tennessee every year with my buddy Willen. And that is, that is some nice. fun, fun fishing down there. He knows those waters so well. I've never been down there and not caught a fish that was at least 46 to 48 inches. 
Wow. And for me, when you're catching those in December through March, it's like, whoa, this is fun. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. I can go back up in northern Wisconsin, go sit on my couch and watch the snow melt, or I can go musky fishing. So that's Damn. definitely the, the time period that I really enjoy the most. Um, as far as like going out on a, you know, a destination trip. Yeah. We need to start mixing those in boys. Cause all I know is from November to April is just not cutting it for me anymore. It, <laughs> no. start, it's, it starts to get sad and like <laughs> right? January yeah. when we're watching January and February. And, uh, I mean, it's just, we're sending each other freaking like baits being like, you know, dude, we got to try this at this lake. Right. And, oh my God. Like, it just it's it's sad it's depressing oh i know how it goes <laughs> but, you know, it's it's sad but it's not sad you know you're still thinking about it and you're yeah. you know that's what's cool about it these stupid things are always on your mind and you know <laughs> well, the more mean... you think about them the better off i think you are as a human being personally so <laughs> yeah, i i couldn't agree more yeah i couldn't agree none more. of my ex-girlfriends would agree with me on that subject but so going off of uh, kind of your destination trips, have you done a lot of fishing or any fishing in Canada? Oh, boy. The last time I was in Canada was 2012 on Lake of the Woods. Um, fun trip. Went with the wrong guy. Um, but overall, it was okay. <laughs> we, uh, we, gosh, we started off up there. We stayed at Bill Sandy's. Um, immediately, we show up to Sandy's and... He's like, you got a paper map. And we were like, yeah. And he goes, bring it over to my place at five o'clock tonight. I'll mark it up for you. And we're like, holy smokes. Like, <laughs> how cool is that? That's awesome. And this guy like just drew all over this map, like just tons and tons of spots. And we we're like getting pretty excited. The guy who I go out with, like first spot, he, again, it's always the boats running into stuff that makes people freak out but not me it's like trolling motor barely touches a rock okay and like he just starts throwing this canary of a fit i'm like good grief man like whatever you know so the next three days we fish out over open water in oh. september okay we're up there in september fishing open oh. water we didn't see a damn thing for three days minus the walleyes that we would catch for lunch and um Ran back into Sandy, and Sandy's like, I told you guys, you got to fish 12 feet of water with rocks that are windblown. Like, you know, and you kind of see the fire start lighting up in that other guy's yeah. <laughs> body. And um, we go to a rock spot that's just getting pounded by wind. His first cast, he lands like a 46, 47. And then we go to the next island that's getting pounded by wind, and he catches another one. And, like... Seven fish later, I'm in the back of the boat. He's in the front. And he's like, man, they really love this bucktail up here. I was like, they don't love that bucktail. They love anything that gets in front of their face on the first spot. (laughs) You know, and he's just like not sold on it. Catches Uh, another one. And I was like, hey, I'm not going to name any names. But um, I was like, let me take the front of the boat for the next spot. And you can see him him and and Han. I was like, oh, I'm I'm out with the wrong guy out here. But he (laughs) did And I pointed at my box. I was like, what bucktail should I throw? And he just like points out like this old, all gold supermodel. And I was like, okay. First cast caught a 45. (laughs) (laughs) And then you can just sort of hear him like, yeah, I guess you're right. But it didn't stop him from going into the front of that damn boat for the rest of the time. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds like you need a little redemption. 
Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I don't, you know, it sucked at the time, but it's not like I lose sleep over it. It's just like, yeah, at least, still at least sounds I like learned something a, from put all a beat that. down on him. What's that? Still sounds like you put a beat down on him. How many total yeah, fish? Yeah, we was did that? for our last three days. We just pounded them, and it was amazing. It was just like, man, we wasted so much time up here. Not wasted, because I guess you're still in Canada. It's really pretty up there. I'm a huge fan of fishing around things that are, you know, pretty, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, if you stuck me out on Green Bay, no offense to the Green Bay guides, um, <laughs> I think that's one of the ugliest fisheries you could possibly look at, you know, for every day of your life. But granted, you're fishing for 55 plus inch animals. So I totally get it. I totally right. get it. I didn't move up to northern Wisconsin to catch 55 inchers. I moved up here for the beauty of it and, you know, the the history of, of you know, world world yeah (laughs) yeah in quotes (laughs) uh yeah that world record wasn't up here i wouldn't be as busy as i am so let that world record live on baby absolutely (laughs) it's gotta help oh it does it's amazing how it helps but (laughs) yeah more with Uh, the newer anglers that is but there, there's nothing i mean i'm we're biased but yeah man there's just nothing of like northern wisconsin you just you can't really beat it i mean i'm sure we haven't been into canada i'm sure it's amazing but yeah we we love the northern wisconsin area i mean we we were up in vermilion a few weeks ago and that was that was really cool um, that's a good taste that's a good but, taste of what canada looks like without a doubt and yeah. you guys stuck a nice one too way to go boys thanks yeah it was uh it was a nerve-wracking 17 seconds Oh yeah, I could imagine. <laughs> like nothing hurts more than having a muskie pinned in a tournament. I mean, oh. you think it's yeah, you never get that nervous again. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy how much a thirty-three incher can make you shake in a tournament. Oh, it's unreal. <laughs> it's like, oh man, we might be in the money now. This is great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's dumb. How, how many tournaments have you done? I did the PMTT, the full length. Um, oh gosh, when was that? I want to say it was like 2016, 2017. Whenever it was like Cave Run, Eagle River, Cass Lake, and I think the championship was on Miltona that year. Um, And then I did a handful, or I did a couple other just qualifiers. Like, I always enjoyed doing the Eagle River chain PMTT because I felt like that was, like, the one tournament that anybody in the field could win, you know, if you stumble into something good. Um, I mean, honestly, those musky tournaments, I mean, you have a better chance of winning money in one of those than you do – in any scratch off lottery ticket you know it's you put together the right pattern you catch two fish you might be taking home some money you know or even just one fish you know it depends on the tournament but there's a few small ones i do up around this area i typically um fish it with my youngest sister heidi and um that's always fun it's typically you know like a 20 boat tournament fifteen hundred dollar purse nothing crazy but Nice. It as a good excuse to get out and have a good time. And uh, you can use suckers in that too. So it's really, really fun. Oh, and nice. uh, yeah, and Heidi, uh, I remember the first time we ever fished that. She, uh, she caught a 47 and a half that won the tournament. And um, there was one of the guys that was in the tournament and he caught a 45 incher. And he actually went to the bar like immediately after he caught this thing at like 11 <laughs> o'clock and just got uh, just toasted. <laughs> and we always like, yeah, we have this in the bag. Like this tournament, usually a 38 incher wins it and this and that. And of course, like Heidi and I, we catch that one. We still have two hours ago and we're like, we're going to keep going. And then I catch a 44 and I dropped her off 
at the pier um, where the bar was for this tournament. And we still had just two minutes before she had to be up there. I mean, that's where we were, you know, we were in it to catch muskies. And if we yeah. won money, we did. But um, gosh, it was such a fun day. Miserably cold. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Horrible oh, that's, condition. That's good shit. That's really good shit. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. I uh, I like I like fishing with that young lady. She's a she's a tough cookie. So <laughs> yeah, we've we've seen her on some of the today's angler videos. I know Brian, you wanted to get into some of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, we've been watching them for years. Uh, Gus and I were just watching a video. You were in it from uh this last weekend. We were watching up north. But how did how did you kind of meet those guys and um and how did that relationship start? Yeah, that's uh. So my sister went to the same high school that I did, Madison Memorial, um, up through her sophomore year. And um, no, I'm not going to beat around the bush. It was uh, when I was going to school there, it was getting bad. And ten years later, when my youngest sister was in there, it was only worse. So she ended up uh, school choosing to another school, and um, that's where she actually went to high school with Robbie, and. Um, I kept hearing about this Robbie character, you know, like, oh, you got to meet this Robbie guy. You got to meet this Robbie guy. He's got a 50 pounder out of molasses with Lee Talton. And I remember like looking at like my sister and I was just like, Heidi, if anybody caught a 50 pounder from around this area, you know, like granted it was in Minnesota where it was caught, but like if an area guy caught this, like we would know about it. Well, they were keeping it secret, you know, for the longest time before this today's angler thing came out. So I thought they were all, you know, just <laughs> lying. Oh, shit. Shit, you know? <laughs> but um yeah, and all of a sudden like my sister, uh my sister was out with her boyfriend and uh and then Robbie joined them for dinner or lunch somewhere and they invited me over there. Got to meet Robbie. I went fishing with him once. We had a good time. And um this is like leading right into the fall where I was just like on this most incredible like wisconsin river bite i've ever been a part of and like i didn't even talk to that kid for like a full maybe three four months i was like i would i didn't trust anybody i was the only guy in my boat i wouldn't take anybody there guiding friends you name it it was my deal like i didn't yeah. trust anybody so um when i got back a hold <laughs> in touch with robbie like the next spring he's like dude what happened i thought you died like I'm mad at you. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I told him the situation. He's like, I get it. I get it. But let's go fishing. So, um, and then we just started fishing more and more. Um, I think where we really solidified our friendship was um, that same spring. I talked to him about Green Bay, and I was like, Hey, I've never fixed fished the Fox River before. Let's go do it. And I know that he has. And he, I remember being on the phone with him for a solid two and a half hours. Um, at night, like the night beforehand, like trying to convince this kid, like we need to go up there. He's like, Oh, I got all this stuff to do. I got to edit. And you can hear him clicking, click, click, click. Like he's editing at the time. And I just wouldn't, I wouldn't let it go. And finally, like at one o'clock in the morning, he's like, all right, I'll meet you at this quick trip at three in the morning. <laughs> <You know? laughs> You're like, all right, cool. And, uh, that was the day that Robbie <laughs> caught a 52 and a half and a 53 and a half in the same day Jesus um, god absolute awesome day hardly anybody was out like i said it was my first time ever fishing it i was running the boat and i mean if you've ever fished it it's nothing hard you know you just you know you fish 
you fish weeds and you fish shorelines. But um, I think that's when we like looked at each other and we're like, I think we're going to be best friends now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're such a a good kid. Um, I mean, I don't think we've ever argued once. I don't think I could be mad at him. He's just an all around great, positive kid. And like, that's what I wanted to be around. And I remember when he started getting the hots for my sister and like how he was like trying to ask me if he could like date her. It was like the most awkward, funny thing I've ever heard in my life. I felt like a middle schooler was like trying to talk to me. He's like, yeah, do, what do you think? Uh, maybe uh, if I uh, maybe uh, me and your sister uh, maybe. And I was like, God, just spit it out, dude. Just spit it out. That's awesome. <laughs> So, yeah. And then here we are. They're obviously married. Um, they live up here now, too, which is really cool. So it's kind of nice that, um, you know, when I first initially moved up here, I was up here for a year by myself. And I actually did that on purpose. I wanted to come up here and learn how to be by myself. I think that's an important thing, um, especially growing up in Madison. You always had friends to do stuff with. There was always an activity, an event to do. So I knew moving up here, I needed to learn how to be by myself. So I didn't end up sitting in the bar, getting drunk like everybody else does up here. Not everybody, but a good amount. So it was kind of cool. After that year goes by, they move up and then we just start pounding water and putting our heads together and find new stuff. It's been great. I mean, yeah, you guys have a good uh, dynamic in the boat. Like, uh, yeah, we've been watching the Today's Angler videos forever. They're awesome. I mean, was that was that like kind of a weird i mean not weird is probably the wrong word but like just interesting like you're filming and fishing and you know like okay this is gonna go out on the internet and thousands of people are gonna watch this and does that like change how you act in the boat because like i know like we've started running cameras over the past few years and like we joke around about like musky blackout like after you catch a big fish or see a big fish like you just anything you say or do like you really can't hold it against you because you might scream like a girl you might say something super stupid oh yeah Um, but like did that change at all like how you fish or what you did in the boat like when you're running these cameras knowing that it's going to be broadcasted on youtube (laughs) not really i think i got even more vulgar when those (laughs) in the boat to be honest with you um i don't know robbie's got some good editing skills obviously um I mean, uh, there was just a video a couple of days ago that was dropped where he was tr- falling in and out of the boat trying to net a 49-incher mm. for me, and I told him to chill the F out, you know, and I didn't <laughs> say it in a mean way. I was like, dude, this kid's going to freaking have a heart attack and fall in the water. I, <laughs> I like, think I, don't I just want a 49 watched that in the water next to my brother-in-law. Like, that's not going to be good either. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, nothing, nothing really changed. Um, you know, keeping things quiet. It has always been Robbie's always been so good about that, you know, not naming lakes, not not releasing things. Um, if we're on a killer bite on a certain body of water, not releasing it for, you know, sometimes, you know, a couple weeks. And um, I mean, shoot, there was a video that was released two years ago that they he kept quiet for about four years. And um, it was just <laughs> such a cool musky spot and nobody was hardly fishing it. I knew that uh, that Keys shot a show out there, and I was like, "Hey, he's gonna drop this video. Now's the time, you know, because sure. you know I'm not ripping on Keys by any means, because you know, but like if there's a video of it out there, might as well do another one, you know. Now's the time, and we're doing that mainly to protect it from, you know, from blowing up that area, because um, there were a few locals fishing that stuff, and 
don't want to piss them off either. So, you know, just yeah. mind your P's and Q's. I know a lot of people don't like the filming, but um, I know, you know, we never mention lake names. We never show boat launches. We just try to keep it as generic as possible. Um, and I, I get messages like that all the time where they're like, why don't you tell us what body of water you're on? And it's like, <laughs> and you're what you're using and where the fish are. Like this is cutthroat stuff. We keep this stuff quiet. We work our tails off driving at $4 a gallon now to go find these stupid things. Like this is what makes it fun is the chase, yeah. you know? And like, if you don't have those failures of driving to a new body water and sucking it up, you know, it's, it, you're just, you're doing it wrong. Like you, you're going to have some heartbreaks and it's just going to make those good times feel way better when it does happen. Preach hundred percent. Man, I, I, I personally think the filming and stuff like that is awesome because like, I know, you know, keeping bites close to your chest is important, but like musky fishing is really cool. And I think when you catch the bug, it's fun to like show other people and like hope that they try to understand it because like we've joked about this, but it's like if you're chasing a fish for 10, 12, 14 hour days to catch like one fish, most yep. people think you're legitimately, you know, clinically insane to do something like that. Right. My mother still doesn't understand it, guys. <laughs> I don't know how, but it just blows my mind how my mother just does not understand it. <laughs> but like showing it and being able to like be you know real on camera and showing the highs and lows of it all like that to me that's awesome like i think it's fun and it gets more people involved in the sport i think it's just good for everybody i mean i know there's a finite amount of water but sure it's it's gonna ever it's gonna always be changing you know certain lakes are gonna be hot some years certain bites are gonna die like Sure, you know, Absolutely. film it, whatever. It is what it is. I mean, you hear old guides talk about certain lakes. Yeah, this lake was great, and now it's not. And now this lake's great. It used to suck. You know, it's it's going to always be a puzzle. Like, no matter how yeah. much filming and stuff you put out there, like, it's always going to be hard, you know? Like, it just comes down to pressure in general. And, you know, if people complain about there being too much pressure, those are the same people that are guiding people and teaching people how to musky fish, you know? Like, it's a double-edged sword here. You know, you're going right. to give up mm -hmm. a lot of information doing this stuff, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's cool to document. It's cool to look back on all of it, to be honest with you. It's, it's fun, you know? Yeah. And, um, another thing too, I mean, you know how ruthless this musky industry can be. You can be labeled an absolute asshole for no reason, you know, yeah. never have a conversation with somebody. So it's kind of nice to have like, do stuff like this now, um, or just doing the whole YouTube thing. Cause that's who we are. Like, we're not putting on anything fake, like behind the scenes where I'm just some total jackass, you know, like <laughs> this is who we are. You know, if you got some, you know, you know, jabroni that's, you know, ripping on you for being some sort of an a-hole who doesn't even know who you are, they can watch all the videos they want. And then they, they can come meet me in person. I'll just kill them with kindness because there's no different michael than what you're seeing right now you know yeah. i think that's honestly like a lot of the negative stuff on on you know musky fishing online i we've talked about this i just think it's the product of the internet i, I don't think it matters oh, yeah. what you do like if you're putting yourself out there like we've joked you know we we've been fortunate but we're really early on in all this where we haven't had too much too much hate but i'm sure it's coming and it's it's just a product of having your voice out there and and giving the people the ability to comment or whatever behind a username that doesn't you know 
like they don't use it for anything else. You'll never be able to track who they oh, are. Oh, for sure. I just yeah. think it's a product of that. I mean, people are weird. Absolutely. Online. I mean, <laughs> it's no different than, you know, talking politics online. Like, oh my yeah. God. If I could like have a discussion with everybody that discusses politics online and just be like, why do you waste your time? Like, yeah. You're not, you're not doing anything. You can have a mouth to mouth conversation with somebody about politics and not change your mind. What makes you think that you're going to do this online? Yeah. Like, it's... Go live your life, go have fun doing it. And honestly, I think the more targets you have on your back, the better, you know, especially if you're a nice person. So, yeah, you know, and just kill these people with kindness and just, catch more muskies work harder prove it (laughs) right and i I agree like i think if you're working hard you're always going to be ahead of that next bite so i think like putting it out on the online like i said it's kind of a moot point because it's like if you're the one that's actually going out doing the exploration and stuff like that every year in and year out you're always going to be ahead of the curve so it's like it's never you know i don't think if you're working hard you're never going to really truly be behind the ball Um, absolutely but I, i do think it's funny people I, I do see the comments on your today's angler thing, like nice fish, comma, what lake? <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh my God, it's just so funny. It's like, like yeah, uh, it was this lake, this spot, this time of day, this time of year. Go get them, buddy. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Golly. Yeah. And if you weren't in 4.7 feet of water, you were screwed. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, I don't, I think people underestimate the fact that that fish, you know, may or may not have taken multiple, multiple hours or days to, to catch. You know, it's just, that's oh, just yeah. how it is. Like, absolutely yeah absolutely um um, all right well we're getting to bed about an hour ish gus brian what else you guys got i got a few more things but just want to make sure you guys are getting everything in that you want are are we holding you out of a major moon phase or anything i don't uh people are gonna hate me for this but i just fish whenever i can um it just so happens that we did catch a fish on moon today i texted it to uh to a young lady and she was like oh right on right on moon and i was like oh go figure finally caught one on moon that's how <laughs> often i pay attention to moon <laughs> i've been out on so many moon deals on like the best spots you could possibly think of and nothing happens and you wake up the next morning it's noon flat calm sunny not a major minor in sight and you bag a 49 incher you know it's like just go be on your best spots at all times um mm-hmm. always explore something new every day but uh but yeah no i'm not uh you're not holding me up by any means <laughs> are you uh are you night fishing tonight i know you're, you're big into the night fishing game i am you know and honestly i don't fish too too late into the night um sometimes i do you know if they're really rolling but but i always found that if i find some active fish sometime throughout the day um especially more towards the evening time and I can't get them to go, like if I'm getting them, I call them ghost follows, where like you'll do your L turn in front of your side imaging, and then one shows up there and you can't, you don't see them, or, you know, you can't get them to show themselves by any means. Um, I found that a lot of times that if I go back on those fish, like right when it's like 100% dark out, like 90% of the time you can get one of those things to go. And I'm typically only out for maybe an hour and a half, maybe two after it's completely dark so i mean talk about you know probably around 10 30 tonight is when i'll get off the water but um and you know we have other bite windows too it seems like it's like that first major dark period one o'clock and four o'clock and i'm not staying out from 10 30 to one o'clock to maybe catch another muskie that's too much time in between not saying that you can't catch one 
in between those times because we have, but you can almost always catch one at one o'clock or have an opportunity to catch one at one. And then same thing at four o'clock in the morning. But um, yeah, I just tend to, I tend to like lay my days out. I really want to hit like the middle of the day at 10 to two is probably like my most important time to be out on the water. Mm-hmm. And then again, at that evening, all the way into that dark period, that's always good. Um, I never get out on the water really before, I don't know, nine o'clock, eight, nine o'clock. I've done it too many times and all it does is make my clients more tired, you know, <laughs> for the end of the day. So we just yeah. kind of, yeah, we can catch them that early in the morning, but it's not worth it. Uh, the fatigue, if you will, for not just myself, but for the clients, I want them to be in tip top shape throughout the day, leading into those big bite windows. Do you, right. uh, do you con- continue to fish a few hours into the night, even like post turnover? Post turnover, no, I get a little bit lazy. I mean, I do, but I should do it more. I don't know. It gets cold. And <laughs> yeah, it does. It's, it's kind of nice when that sun goes down at like 530 in November and you're like, oh, sweet. I get to like go get to bed a fire. at like, <laughs> like, going to be so yeah. cool. Actually have dinner um, with like friends and family for change. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Not just like smashing like my 20,000th salami sandwich of the year, you know, (laughs) out there freezing my tail off. Dude, we we did a trip to Hayward, us three, and I think we abused that quick trip so badly in downtown Hayward. Like, I don't think there was a damn thing to eat in that place after we went through. It was the old quick trip. They tore it down because of us, I think. (laughs) Yeah, 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 they had to build a brand new one for you boys. They could afford it after that weekend. We dropped freaking $500 on quick trip meals that weekend. Ridiculous. That's great. But yeah, I mean, you know, I should do that more, but I was, we were out until December 7th last year in Hayward, so we were by far the last boat out on the water around up here. And when you're fishing that late, I mean, it was cold a lot of days. And it's just like, when that sun goes down, I'm going to go warm up because I'm going to just do this all over again tomorrow. So, yeah, those are long days. Mm-hmm. Those are tough. Absolutely. Yeah, it adds up. And especially in a tiller boat, it gets a little chilly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can agree there. That's what I rock as well. Yeah, yeah um, that's right. Yeah. 185? Yes. Yep. Competitor. Nice. Sweet rig. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Do awesome you have that or do you have the 205? I got a 205 now. I was running a 175 for six years until I accidentally totaled it last year in October. Ooh. Um, driving oh. back from the gas station to get fuel before a guide trip. So that was my one guide trip I had to cancel last year. Unfortunately, I felt really bad for my boy. But um, I told him, I uh, sent him some pictures. I was like, I can't go today. And he goes, oh, shit. Yeah, you can't go today. <laughs> <laughs> was it uh, Was it a deer? What's that? Was it a deer? No, no. I just hit, like, it was crazy. Like, I drove to town that morning. The, the roads were a little wet. But um, above freezing, everything was fine. And by the time I came back, that temperature dropped about, like, 10, 15 degrees. And it was blowing. And I wasn't thinking obviously i was thinking about getting to the launch and going musky fishing because like the <laughs> conditions looked really good and all of a sudden like i was going sideways down the highway for several hundred yards and Jeez. just kind of looked at my like 
there was nothing I could do at that point. I just like looked at my hands. I remember just like <laughs> sliding sideways. I was like, I don't even know what to do right now. Like, I just don't even know. And finally, like I came to rest into a ditch and like I looked at myself. Oh. I was like, sweet, I'm okay. This is good. <laughs> That's sketchy. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, it really sucked. But you know, you just gotta take your time. And obviously I wasn't taking my time. I'm not like a speed demon by any means, but I should have been looking at the road conditions a little bit better, but it sucked. Finished out last year out of a Lund fishing ski that a guy on the lake was kind enough to let me use. And that was kind of nice to have a windshield during the cold periods last year. But <laughs> uh, the whole fishing ski deal, it's definitely more ski than it is uh, fish. <laughs> so happy to be back and do a tiller for this fall. <laughs> Yeah, tillers are awesome. We love them. I mean, it's been it's been good to us. I don't know if we'll ever change, honestly. It's just the ideal musky setup. Absolutely. I mean, if I absolutely had to change, like there might be a time where, you know, I get older and I want to be a little bit more comfortable. I'll get a side console and still kind of screw over my clients for having no wind protection. But so I we're not out here to be comfortable. We're out here to be uncomfortable and you yep. know, catch them. right well uh so before we let you go here um this has been a lot of fun and i think we'll have to have you on again hopefully you know you grace us with a few more minutes next time and uh but i do want to ask because like you know we try to every once in a while be a little educational on this thing and if you had like a certain bait this year that's been stellar for you um you don't really have to say you know specifically if you don't want or sure any, any, any champs this season for you and your boat you know, I would say overall, like my success overall on big rubber has been crucial up in northern Wisconsin. Um, I think a lot less people were throwing them. This year was a little bit tougher of a bite on them. I think these fish are becoming more and more, you know, choosy on them because we fooled so many of them that didn't see big rubber for so long. Mm-hmm. But um, just working them as erratic as as erratic as you can. And um I'm doing really short pulls, lots of snapping with a lot of slack in the line. And what that slack does, you know, like, let's say like, I'll leave like half of a, half of a real length of slack in my line as I'm working that Medusa or Bulldog that allows that rod when you're pulling it, you know, you'll wind up really fast with slack. And then by the time that rod loads up, that's when you feel that. And by the time you actually feel that rod load up, you stop. And the rod's pretty much flicking this bait for you yeah. and doing all the work. Mm-hmm. So what looks absolutely painful on camera, if you get that cadence down, it is such a, number one, it's a deadly, deadly thing to use, um, you know, to be thrown because you're not seeing big baits move like that. Mm-hmm. But um, it's really not that fatiguing. Honestly, if you gave me a Husky or a Monster Medusa and told me to keep it, you know, no slack in the line and just pull it, I would die like immediately Hmm. like it's far more stress on the body so between that and um boy i will say this too and i learned this from clients and i thank them so much a lot of my lakes around here during the day i'm throwing number eights um maybe number nines but most of the times it's eights or smaller and those blades are barely turning i mean just Hmm. crawling why they're eating it i don't know why they're attracted to it i don't know um it must be giving out some sort of a different noise and a different presentation overall than what they're used to seeing because now we have all these high speed reels you know people are burning them and don't get me wrong there's time and place to burn blades but i've seen so many 
big fish caught on bucktails over the past four years where you're looking at that guy's blades and you're like, oh, God, he's not going to catch one today. <laughs> I've told him 20 times to increase his speed and he's gotten slower. Like, we are screwed <laughs> so badly. And then a four-footer comes out of nowhere and crushes him 10 feet away from the boat. <laughs> All right, <laughs> everybody, slow down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> slow down, and you know, downsize too. So, yeah, I mean, as far as tips go, that's been like my kind of go-to up here is you know, ripping big rubber and uh, slowing small blades down during the day, and then as it proceeds into the night, I'm throwing the biggest, baddest blades I can find, so I can throw them slower over the weeds. You know, and, um, you know, the thinner blades, the better. So, like, I'm talking, like, anywhere from, like, a mayhem cowgirl on up to, like, a show, you know, um, supermodel, um, musky friends either. Um, they're 12s. They're awesome. And they just fan out so much more. So, I can actually slow that bait way down at night. And it is putting a totally different frequency through that water. Um, a frequency that these fish can hear and feel way easier um and locate i should say with it being low light conditions yeah that was definitely something we found uh deadly gus you go ahead yeah i actually have like a couple questions on like each of the tips that you had so with the big medusas or just any big rubber when you're talking about that technique that you're doing are you going to the side or up or both like with most your, of the times rack? it's yeah, most of the times it's up because I'm working over weeds. Um, yeah. Usually I'm always throwing those in shallow water. So I need to do a lot of up rips to keep that bait high out of the water. Um, and then with the power of side imaging and or now live scope, I know exactly how far away. Um, not necessarily where my lure is. Let's say because most of the time I'm watching my clients lures. So I can pre-warn them that they have something going on because a lot of times they'll fall asleep on me or they can. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, you know, I know exactly what 30 feet is. I know what 40 feet, 50 feet, 60 feet, everybody should know that all the way out to 120 feet, a normal, a normal cast. If you were to ask me, is going to be about around a hundred feet. You know, if you're good at casting and you don't overcast it, you're going to land a hundred feet more times than not on any given cast. So that way, like when I'm reeling these baits and I know like 40 feet away, I can really drive, you know, I can start side swiping this bait. Now, and actually pause it a little bit more so I can attain a little bit more depth, but I'm still snapping it, giving it that erratic look. I mean, (laughs) how many walleyes get eaten off from walleye guys? You know, oh, I got bit off by three muskies today fishing walleyes or the bluegill guys or the crappie guys. All those fish that are getting attacked look exactly the way my Medusa looks. Erratic crazy you know it's nothing's ever moving slow and pausing it's just pew 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 get that thing to dance and you know don't give them a second to think about it sort of thing right that's a insanely you're either gonna deadly... eat this thing or you're gonna sit down there and wish you did yeah <laughs> <laughs> that is such a deadly tactic and is definitely something that we do and we like to do with the rubber especially bending it i know you probably bend it a little bit with absolutely to get it to dive a little or not dive but help it kind of almost it. dart pop. yeah yep. yeah you're talking like bending it like right here yeah yeah sort of yep. towards yep. the head of a of a medusa or a bulldog or something absolutely i almost do that to all of mine um unless if it's late in the fall and i'm doing more longer sweeps where you have to mm-hmm. slow it down 
but yeah, during the summer, they all have that bend right away to them, making sure that they're straight. Not all rubber baits are going to be the same out of the package. You got to look at them, you know, right away before you even buy them. Make sure that the harnesses are in line here. Mm-hmm. And um, and from there, if you have one that's rolling on its side a little bit, that drives me nuts. I mean, from time to time, it will roll on its side, but you want that thing to be hopping, staying on that belly and darting from left to right. Yeah. Yeah. And then this is actually, I am actually happy I grabbed this one. This was a cool little modification I did out in Minnesota and it's been, it's been working. That's sick. So, it's that's sick. Very, cool. very sweet. I like that yeah, color on that sweet. thing too. What's that? I like the colors on that thing. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, this is uh, my Northwoods nine color. Um, they, they did a little limited run of them this year. And uh, what was actually really cool is, you know, how I told you guys, like, look at your rubber baits before you buy them. This isn't, um, this isn't a chaos thing. This isn't a Lake X thing. This isn't a musky innovations things. So these things, when they pour them, sometimes they're a little off. And one time I got a Medusa from town here at a bait shop. It was the only monster Medusa that they had in stock. It was all white. And I, that thing like this right here was so far to the right hand side of the bait <laughs> where like, there was nothing you could do. It just wanted a cartwheel on you. So I was looking at that thing one day and like I was throwing a lot of all black Medusas at the time. And I was like, Hmm, I should chop the two white tails off of that monster and glue them to that all black one. So that way I can actually see the bait as it comes in. Cause if you're in this dark body, you know, dark bodies of water, a black bait is really hard to see as it's coming into the boat. Yeah. So I did that more for myself and ultimately it's the ultimate in contrast. You know, I'm a big black fan. All my baits that I pretty much throw are mainly black. And um, I remember my first day of using the Northwood nine that I made, I caught three of them on it while I was guiding. And I gave it to one of the guys who like, I was shocked he could even throw a monster Medusa and he caught one. I was like, holy smokes, this is pretty cool. <laughs> wow. It was really wild. He didn't really throw it all that great. He looked pretty ugly, but he got it done. <laughs> Sweet. Um, there's also a question I have about the slow rolling small bucktails, which when we're talking about that compared to the rubber, it's like, why would they eat that? And what I want to know is that do you use some of those uh it's like the lead lures boiler maker to slow it down specifically or are you slowing down a normal like yes. single eight? Yeah, you know, the the lead lures boiler maker, um I have clients throw that a lot because it's a lot easier to slow it down and still keep it out of the weeds. Me personally, um, you know, I'm always gonna give my clients the bait that they should be throwing over what I, you know, wanna throw. But um let's say it's an all blade bite. And, you know, we, I had a couple guys in the front of the boat catch two fish on blades. Well, at that point, if I'm not seeing anything throwing a monster Medusa, I'm going to switch over to blades. And the third guy in line, they don't clean up, I'll clean up. And, um, I don't, I, I just tend to throw regular eights or whatever, eight nines. And I, you just got to keep your rod tip up a little bit higher and by higher, you know, Mm -hmm. just keeping it straight up. Um, and then as that bait, again, you get a idea of where that weed edge is then i can start dropping that rod tip down as deep as i can into the water before the bait's even close to the boat so i can again attain that depth as that uh, bucktail works its way down those weed edges interesting 
Yeah, a lot of, you know, a lot of people don't really utilize their rod for that stuff, you know, and they think that, oh, you got to reel a bucktail fast over the weeds to keep it out of the weeds. It's like, no, yeah, you're kind of in a goofy position to set, you know, if you do get bit in the weeds like that, but you're doing yourself a favor by just keeping that bait moving at a slower speed, which the fish obviously like, keeping it in their strike zone and keeping it way out of the weeds without, you know, burning it too fast. Right. And then those are, yeah, those are great tips. I mean, I should, I should probably utilize some of those as well. I, I tend to, <laughs> I tend to reel in the bucktails way too fast, I think. And I think we definitely get caught yeah, and up there, in that. Yeah. And there's days where burning a bucktail works. You know, I was over in Vilas County just last week for a couple of days. And, um, you know, I was telling the young lady I was with, I was like, man, you really burn those bucktails around here. And she was like, this is how they like it. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to throw it the way that I do back on my waters back at home. I wasn't seeing Jack squat, you know, and she was getting, <laughs> you know, she lost like a 42, 43 hotter in hell. Um, caught a couple other ones and I was like, damn, you know, and mm-hmm. that's, what's kind of cool with fishing with multiple people. You all get to try something a little bit different, put your minds together and find out what works and what doesn't. But on any given day out here, you know, like earlier today, I was burning a bucktail while my buddy was throwing it slow and he had all the action this afternoon. So just kind of figuring out what they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, it'd be, uh, it would be great to get in the boat together one of these days. Um, you know, I know everyone's busy, so we'll see if it, it ends up happening, but it would be a lot of fun. Um, oh yeah, no, definitely. Um, come November, my favorite time of year, cause everybody's out deer hunting and not musky fishing <laughs> anymore. So that means I get to set the hook on some suckers, which is always fun. And, um, during that time, I obviously hit well-known bites with close friends. Um, but there are some things on my checklist, especially out Northeast, uh, you know, where you guys are at that I definitely want to check out. Um, so give me a buzz. Let's do it. I'm sure we yeah, could, uh, yeah. I'm sure we'd get along in the boat just fine. As long as nobody runs a trolling motor into the rocks and freaks out. Or something. <laughs> oh Stop. God. Well, we, we did that multiple times up at Vermilion. It was actually oh, became yeah. pretty funny. Like every right, time. if you're not getting stuck in those rocks, especially on the weather that you guys were on, you weren't catching them. Yeah. Because I was right. on Vermilion. Um, I was on Vermilion four days before the tournament started, and we caught nine out over open water. Um, and then that wind started picking up, and those fish were moving big time. I mean, they right. just were not around, and I, I kind of knew it was setting up to be a, a good structure bite for Vermilion, which was cool for that tournament. We, you know. we, we got fortunate there because before we went, everyone was kind of telling us there's an open water deal up there. And we were a little bit, and I wouldn't, we would have, we would have done our best to figure it out, but like with no live scope, not knowing that body of water very well, we were very fortunate that we could oh, look yeah. at a map and feel good about where we were fishing, you know, for sure, for sure. And uh, again, that's, that's one of those things, those fish were out over open water because there's no wind. And all of a sudden they had three, four days in a row of big winds, push them up there. And you guys got to reap the benefits on that. Not just you guys, but the entire PMTT tournament, mm-hmm. which is really cool. So, uh, well, we're not going to keep you from fishing much longer here. Is there anything, you know, you want to talk about here at the end? Like you got guide stuff you want to promote any other, you know, stuff you talked about the Northwoods nine, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I do have a few open dates left still in October. Um, I will do a handful of trips in early November as well. So if anybody's looking to get out, I do have a 
few trips. Um, my September is completely booked from here on out. Today was my last nice. day off, which is good. But uh, yeah, get a hold of me if anybody ever wants to come out fishing in northwestern Wisconsin. Come check it out. It's a it's a beautiful area, and uh, we got some we got some big muskies left up here. That's for sure, and a lot of action to go around too. If you're looking for a first muskie or something like that, but um, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm ready for a cold front. That's all I want. Yeah, fortunately, we're not going to get it for the tournament this week, which is a little bit of a bummer, but I know it. Yeah, but at least the weather's going to be somewhat stable. So, I mean, I think personally, Mm -hmm. I think you guys are going to have a good midday bite out there. And that's if I had to guess anything with what the weather looks like. But yeah, well, if you find yourself uh, near Treeland's Resort, hit us up. Let's grab some beers. Yeah, sounds good to me. Yeah. yeah, maybe I will. I am good at drinking those things. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I, I think we're I think we're gonna get along just fine. <laughs> yeah, right on, right on. Well, no, hey guys, I really appreciate you guys having me on. That's been uh been a lot of fun and uh yeah, you know, let's do it again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. For well, sure. Thanks for coming on, Michael. Anytime. Good and best of luck to you guys. I'll be checking in on you to see how you guys did for the tournament. Be rooting for you. We Thank you much. We, oh, need, also, we need all the luck. Also, Michael, yeah, before you, uh, before we yeah. let you go, do you want to give your, if you want to, like your phone number or maybe like Instagram, Facebook, and like your guide Absolutely. service website? Sure, sure. So my uh, my guide service website is www.naguideservice.com. And uh, my Instagram is muskyhunter21, um, spelled I-E, not Y. Um, I don't know why I did that, but I don't know. We all spell things differently, I suppose. And, uh, my phone number, you can reach me now at 608-695-9073. Um, or my email at hanson.michael608 at gmail.com. And, uh, if anybody ever has any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to me. Sometimes I do get back a little late. That's because I'm out here all the time, but um, I appreciate people asking me questions, you know, giving me feedback or whatnot, and I always do my best to get back to each and everybody because, um, you know, want to be known as the nice guy in this deal. So, sweet, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on, and we'll definitely have to get you on and again, and and we'll be in touch for sure to hopefully get Absolutely. out this fall. Sounds good, guys. No, like I said, I appreciate it, and I hope you guys have a great rest of your week and uh, kick some ass over in the Chippewa Flow, Jay. <laughs> Thank appreciate you. It. Hey, good All luck right, tonight. Right. Go catch a big one. Hey, yeah, thanks good a lot. Luck. I will try. <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming on. Take care, man. Take care, boys. All right. Well, that was uh... – Really awesome to have Michael Hansen on. Um, it's always good to chat with another just absolute diehard. I mean, I think he's, you know, he, I would, you and him, Gus, are in that same upper echelon category of just total nut jobs that are just, I mean, just love to freaking musky fish. Musky psychos. I just respect it. Yeah. I can't get enough. I mean, when he, he was he talking might about have me by a little bit, <laughs> he did some of those he's... stories and driving around at crazy hours in the night and morning and, it's just awesome. Yeah, I know. I don't know if I'm exactly on the Michael Hansen level of fishing nonstop. I am definitely trying to get there. I got that got that drive and passion, but man, that guy, it, it sounds like he doesn't even sleep, but I'm sure he gets in a few hours here and there. But uh, 
yeah, we can't thank him enough for coming on and we definitely look forward to having him on the podcast again or maybe getting out and fishing with them. So um, with that being said, Brian, do you got any update with the merch or maybe a little bit of a something on kind of a post that we're, I think we're going to be planning on doing for a giveaway? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, still on the same timetable as what we gave in our last podcast update. So we will be getting the merch in on Tuesday. However, we still have some of the background stuff to figure out, you know, in terms of the website and how to purchase them. So you won't be able to purchase them on Tuesday, but we will be receiving them. And then uh, the following Monday, uh, so a week from today, is when we will be posting the giveaway. So stay which, tuned. Which, what are the dates on those? Because it might get people get confused because this is coming on Monday uh, the 25th. There we will go. will be the day that the giveaway is announced. It'll be on the Mussies on Tap Instagram. Make sure to follow now if you're not already to be alert for that giveaway. Uh, we'll be posting all the rules on there. And then the winner will be announced on Friday, the 30th of September. 29th. 29th. Sorry, bad yep. math. Yep. 29th of, of uh, September, the winner will be announced uh live on the musty on tap instagram so stay tuned sweet really looking forward to it uh yeah we're just gonna get some things done behind the scenes so that everyone can purchase these uh hoodies pint glasses and stickers hopefully without any hiccups so we don't want to rush anything we just don't want to have any too many issues and also uh, this podcast will come out Thursday uh, after, uh, well, during the day of Max and I's last pre-fishing day for the Chippewa flowage. So we're going to pretty much have one thing on our minds, and that's just going to be tournament fishing. And so just stay tuned. We'll give more updates probably on the Muskies on Tap Instagram page for purchasing the uh the merch as well as the podcast so um i am super pumped to get to the chippewa flowage max i don't know about you i would probably think so this is going to be some brand new fishing for us flowage fishing is i wouldn't say our forte but we're gonna have to find a bite and stick to our guns over the course of this tournament because this is a new slightly new format going on here with the uh championship and it's our first ever time uh going to one yeah i think uh pre-fishing will probably be more important than maybe it's ever been just solely with how different um it sounds like the chippewa flowage is from the west end of the east end the north end of the south end it apparently fishes like multiple multiple different lakes in that one system so with uh weather being what it is in the upcoming few days here, you know, there's as as there is in every tournament, there's gonna be a bite going on at some point in time on some, you know, part of the lake. And we're just gonna really have to work hard and figure out what uh you know, to increase our chances of being on that right that right area at the right time. Um, but yeah, it's uh it's definitely an intimidating body of water if you look at a a, a topographical map. I mean, there's Seems to be a lot of uh, a lot of isolated stuff, a lot of neck down areas, a lot of good weed areas, a lot of rocks, a lot of timber. I mean, it just seems to really kind of have it all. 
um, some deeper parts. Uh, it's it's, it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, you're putting 30 boats ish, 30 ish boats out on that type of body of water for this tournament. Be curious to see kind of how it all unfolds. I mean, I'm, I'm excited just to, to get out there and kind of take it all in. It's a historic body of water. Um, you know, there's definitely a chance that those big fish like we had up in Vermilion out there, um, you know, obviously has a very, a very long history of uh, a big fish out there on the flowage. So should be, should be exciting. I'll be curious to see kind of what, yeah, like I said, how it all unfolds, you know, what, where people are going to be catching fish, what they're going to be getting them on. I, I think it's just going to be a very, uh, very interesting tournament. I'm, I'm excited. I mean, it's, it's going to, I feel like it's going to be a mental, a mental grind out there. A mental battle for sure. Since you get the whole Friday and Saturday, uh, for the start of the tournament. And then of course, Sunday, if you catch a fish on either the first two days to, uh, move on, but Brian, I know you gave us some odds at the beginning of this podcast, but do you think you could find in the Vegas booklet on the over under on tournament largest fish? What do you think the chip's going to produce? Cause we all know that it is your favorite body of water that you still barely ever fished. And the world record holding body of water. <laughs> so with that being said, looks like Vegas has got it at 48 and three quarters. That's the line. I think that's a pretty good line nice. on their part. Probably one of the best lines yet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, I, I, the, the chip is kind of a blessing and a curse for someone that's new to the lake. Because when we were on it, you know, our first time, so many spots look good. You know, almost every spot you kind of look at and you're like, oh, it might be a muskie over there. Probably is muskie over there. And you could probably take a lifetime on that lake to fish every spot. So I'll be curious to see the results for sure and see if there's, you know, definitely a pattern with where people are catching them. Yeah, I can agree with uh, tournaments. That's probably the fastest way you learn bites either through other people or yourself because you're just, you know, you're, uh, you got the set times to fish, the set body of water. You got to fish it, so you got to put something together during that time, no matter the conditions. So if you guys don't have anything else to add here tonight, uh, if we want to wrap this up, Brian, take it away if all is well. Max, got anything to add? Or I'm good. Ready, ready to get this week started. Yeah, Brian, what you got for us tonight? All right, everybody, that does it for another episode of Muskies on Tap. This week is what we've been waiting for, the grand finale of the PMTTD Trail. It's going to be going down. There's going to be haymakers thrown. Hopefully no bad blood, but you know how that goes. And there's money on the line. The boys are sitting on top of the poles, and now they're hoping to maintain that position to the end of the tournament over there in beautiful Hayward, Wisconsin, guys. Hope you guys and all the other tournament anglers have a blast this weekend. Good luck to all. A little bit more luck on the mock crew. Go get them. Mm-hmm.